Sometimes I wonder who the fuck I am
treated like an infant I'm lighting up a stogie It's longer than a hoagie Situations getting fishy And I don't eat anchovies Fuck the world, kill them all She answer when I call If the cops pull us over She gon' hide it in her drawers See, I come from a place Where stars never shine And drama is accepted Credit cards are declined Everybody gotta die But I ain't everybody If that hoe play with me I whip that trick like Terrence Howard I'm a pimp, I ain't lying But that is not important I'm just trying to buy time But can't really afford it Saying ain't that a bitch But I hope that bitch is bad I feel like money in the trash Like what am I doing here? Back sooner than I actually thought I would be. I um I uh I thought I would take probably a three or four day break from the podcast and let some some new thoughts trickle in, but I felt motivated, I felt inspired. Um I like talking to you guys to be honest. I like sharing thoughts, I like sharing perspectives, and you know, people are starting to fuck with it, you know, people are starting to appreciate um what it is I have to say, what it is I'm trying to share and People are um people are receptive. So I uh I appreciate that. Give me a second. Let me tell my beautiful, amazing fiance that I love her. One second. Yes, I miss you. Um maybe that's like a little sidebar topic. I think it's important when your relationships to just randomly tell the person you're dating that you love them, that you miss them, how special they are never, never change, always be you. I think these, these affirmations are just super important and can really help bring just happiness to a human, let alone someone that you care about and you want to have kids with, or you do have kids with, but, um, it's a good thing to do. So that's a really quick sidebar, but I think today I have a range of topics. It's pretty, pretty rangy today. A little, a little less deep. I think the last few episodes I've been on some really deep shit, and uh, but again, you 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 always know I, I have to I have to naturally sprinkle in these things. And, and and again, if you know the formation and the structure of the podcast, it's never it's never it's never intentional. It's never strategic. It's always spontaneous. It's always ad hoc. Um, the topics and the ranges and the and the and the pockets that I fall into, um, they are the literal design and structure of the podcast. If you remember, this is a community based podcast, so. Not every single topic is mine. 
not every <clears throat> not every single episode I inevitably have a thought that I want to inevitably get out. I'm really reacting to the thoughts, I mean the the questions and the topics that are being presented to me and that I pre- presented to myself uh when I started it. So, um I don't know. Like I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm fucking with it and I appreciate everyone that's listening. I think we just cross 300 individual downloads, which is, I guess, kind of cool for, for being alive for a month. And, um, yeah, so I'm enjoying it. I hope you guys are as well. And I hope I'm able to bring value to everyone listening and, and, and really bring either entertainment, escapism, new perspectives. That's probably the biggest, what I'm really trying to like change some motherfuckers minds here. I'm trying to get people to look at things a little bit differently, look at things a little bit more strategically, look at things a little bit more um, with the removal of ego and all those good things. So um, what else is new with me? Things are um, things are cool. I think I think. I think my focus again, and I talked about this in the previous episode is needs to hit a certain point that. It's just objectively good for everyone involved, and that is my goal to do that. And uh, today was a pretty solid day. I was pretty locked in um, on a couple of different things, and I think um, I think I'm solid and proud with what I did today and moving forward. I hope tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, you know, I think they're all uh, days where I can do uh, some good. So pivoting again, another sidebar again. You know, I am in a place right now, whether it pertains to whether it's about sexuality or open relationships or honesty or owning someone and ego and relationships. I'm at a point right now where, and I was telling a friend this, I'm I'm loving the business world. I'm loving my businesses. I'm loving my professional track and career and goals. I'm loving all of that shit. Um, But I'm doing it mainly because I do view it as a job now, not as much as a passion, which is not a bad thing from where I want to go with this topic. And I'm kind of getting more in touch with myself. And and I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm not afraid to share that. Um, I'm not afraid to talk about that because I think a lot of people are afraid to talk about that or admit that or share that or they think that you're getting too woo woo. And it's not that, you know. Because at my core, I'm still a hustler. I'm still a entrepreneur. I'm still an operator. I'm still a fucking boss. I'm still a leader. Uh, I'm I'm still um, I'm still locked in. But I think, again, not to get too deep, what I am realizing is that <clears throat> being good to myself, um, understanding oneself, is starting to climb up the ladder of priority. Because. Dude, if I'm being honest, I'm, I, I look at my mom and I look at myself and my fiance. Dude, I look at so many people around me, including myself. We spend so much time trying to chase things or trying to chase stories or trying to chase moments or trying to chase narratives when we run, we run like Usain Bolt away from ourselves and we run away from moments where we could really problem solve to fix shit to get better with ourselves we run from these things and i'm getting tired of that and i don't want to do that and so for me progressing right now and getting to a different level emotionally um is a current focus that i am proud of 
Um, but to get to the first topic, so I don't keep you guys too long, because that is my hope to not make this too long of an episode. Um, I want to read this topic off to you because this topic actually happened today. Real bravery as a man. Today, I witnessed something. I actually put on my Dr. Phil hat to help facilitate something. But today I witnessed something that I think is completely fucking brave. Completely fucking brave. I witnessed someone that I care about and another person that I care about find a way to not only love each other and see each other, but but really hear each other, respect each other, and um and be there for each other and give each other what they need from a level of true empathy. You know, I was I was a part of a facilitation where there was one party of this conversation that I'm talking about that really needed to have the other person understand who they've been and what stories they've told themselves that are impacting the decisions and, and the desires that they have currently. And then I saw the other person who I'm talking about, right? You know, uh, uh, you know, a, a man's bravery here. Um, I saw, I saw him initially react negatively and 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 angry and confused and afraid, and started to get outside of himself and started to understand possibly where she's coming from, understand her deeper, understand. Um, her points of views deeper. And, you know, I was explaining to the both of them that in every relationship, and I was talking about change management inside the workplace, you know, inside the workplace, when, when you have a company that needs to change employees, it could be around priorities, tasks, compensation rates, um, you know, new policies, just whatever it's going to be. You know, leaders are always taught to inevitably conduct a change in a way that is gentle, that is safe, that is honest, that is that is empathetic enough to um, to help everyone get behind it. And I think in our relationships, we're not taught change management processes. In our relationships, we're not taught how to really facilitate each other and, and, and navigate each other and understand each other and love each other and learn each other. When making decisions, we're not taught to do these things. And so inevitably we react off of our stories. And so today there was a story that one person was telling and there was another story that he was telling. And what was beautiful about today is, and what was so brave about today is I saw the man that I'm talking about in this story bend and mold, not in a weak way, not in a, not in a immature way, but bend and mold in a way that, um, was so attractive, so honest, so brave, so empathetic, so um, so for the for the pure fact that he, more than himself, he wants to see complete safety of that partner, and he wants to feel complete safety. And I think what I noticed is, and I guess connecting it to the topic, which is I'll read again real bravery as a man, men are are consistently fucking built with all of this ego and all of this 
either aggression or intentionality or pain or or need to control things or need to be right or or need to con- you know or or need to buy into the stories that we were told growing up and again today I saw him get out, out you know beside himself and uncomfortable with himself and shift and mold and blend and again not in a weak way but in a strategic empathetic loving way which was beautiful to see I respected so much and um I just think it was beautiful. And so I think more men, we need to be more brave to share what we're afraid of, share why we're hurt, share why we feel the way we feel and 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 allow that to be, you know, the the armor that we wear in our chest the the way that we beat our drum, the way that we tell the world that we are fucking strong, we are great, allow that bravery to be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more empathetic, a little bit more bending and fluid and, and do that for those that we care about and love. And so I just want to give kudos to um, a friend. I don't want to talk too directly about it, but I want to just give kudos to him for being brave and being strong. And I think... I think this world is in a really interesting space. And I think the friends and the colleagues and the people that I'm interacting with are in a, you know, it's funny. We're all in a very growing phase. We're like, we're all trying to make really strategic, impactful decisions for our lives that could reshape the rest of the data points and experiences that will be around. And um, it's just pretty dope to be a part of it. So shout out to you, brother. Shout out to your bravery. And let's get to the next topic. So um, as I've told you folks a few different times here, you know, Gary V has been someone in my life probably for the better half of seven, eight years. Sorry about that sound. I took a sip of water. Um, and I'm not going to go into the whole rant on the story of why I fuck with Gary or what I love about Gary and all these things. I'm going to talk about one moment about Gary that I noticed today in an interview that I think I want to learn from and so many others can learn from. And frankly, I think I'm trying to emulate in my own way. The topic is the following. Gary V is breaking into the matrix and changing life as we know it. Is this true or is this false? I don't want to get too crazy, right? I'm a couple days post stream, so I'm a little bit more uh, regular, if that's what you want to call it. But I'm still cognizant enough and aware enough of what I mean when I say the matrix. We all know, based off of the previous few episodes, I believe we are living in a fake world. I believe a fake world, from my perspective, is the following definition. I think a fake world is driven by ego, emotion, fear, complexity, poor decision-making, pain, um, um, ego, again, um, strategic desires, emotion, um, lying, cheating, conniving, um, manipulating, um, perspectives, narrative stories. I think all of those things make up a world that is not driven off of pure love and empathy and, and, and desire from a good place, but it's driven from everyone reacting to each other's stories and, and each other's shit, right? From just being, from just being straight up. And so, um, I think what Gary Vee's been able to do, if you really watch his videos, if you really follow what he's doing with VaynerX, 
I do believe that he's found a way to break into the matrix in a way that is super, super, super interesting and detailed. Um, I think he was talking to the Nelk boys about um, NFTs and some other things. And he always goes about his conversations in a way of like, he's trying to literally create, he's trying to number one, when I say break the matrix, he's trying to, he talks heavily about removing empathy, heavy communication, um, be forward thinking, like, like he's doing the exact opposite of what I think the matrix, AKA this fake world we all live in was built on, which is, it was built on, it was built on narrative. It was built on lacks of empathy. It was built on pain. It was built on ego. It was built on all these things. And I think Gary Vee has come in here and tried to break the fucking matrix in half and say, listen, it's not cool to to, to, to live on those things or build businesses on those things or have relationships on those things or have your fear and lack of desire to try different things and new things. I, I, I don't think that those are good ideas. I think what a good idea is, I think a good idea looks like, um, I think a good idea really looks like living a life that is worth living because you are practical because are you because you are empathetic because you are forward thinking because you are removing ego because you're communicating honestly with yourself and your family members i don't know so i think more than anything gary v is not just breaking the mold as a businessman but he's honestly breaking the matrix from an emotional variable unlike most leaders. And I think it shows up in the way that he runs his companies. I think it shows up in his decision-making around how he strategically nav navigates his organizations. I mean, even what he's doing with 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 the, the V friends and the VCon and all these other things, like he's breaking the matrix from a real, he's putting, he's, he's bottling and packaging ego and communication and honesty and, and accountability and he's packaging it in the form that people can get behind financially and business-wise. And that, and that is a break of the fucking matrix. That is something that is very different. That is something that is very cool. That is something that is very dope. And um, shout out to you, Gary. Shout out to you. So Shia LaBeouf here. Shia LaBeouf. Hope I'm saying it right. I'm going to Google him real quick because he is... Um, he is an interesting fucker here. A couple of things. Number one, number one, number one. I completely understand this, and I'm not a gay man, but I completely understand why women love Shia LaBeouf. I get it. Like, I totally get it. Let me take another sip of water, guys. Mm. I was a bit parched. <laughs> um, I totally get it. I really, really, really do. I totally get why women fuck with Shia LaBeouf. I think um, I can see it. You know, he's sexy. He's he's brave. He's honest. He's raw. Um, I can see it. All right. So I just want to make that statement because I'm looking at his pictures here on IMDb and I see it. I, I, I can honestly say that. So that's a sidebar. I don't want to get too much into that. But Shia LaBeouf, right? Here's a topic. Um, Shia LaBeouf, the actor, the personality, the authenticity, the rawness. Thoughts. Um, I think number one, he is a fucking underrated actor. I think the real actors of America and the world, frankly, the Robert De Niro's, the Jamie Foxx's, the Tom Hanks, um, I, uh, the Denzel Washington's, I believe that they actually respect him because I've seen 
I've seen them comment on things. I've seen their um, I've seen their their hot takes on him. But I think to the mass majority of life, he is incredibly misunderstood and does not get enough credit. I'll talk about a couple of things. Number one, what he was doing on Even Stevens as a child actor and what he did within holes. Um, there's like a segment of the world that like focuses in on that, right? Forget that dude. That fuck that kid. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is Honey Boy. What we're talking about is the Fury. Um, what we're talking about is uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon. What we're talking about is Transformers. What we're talking about is uh, what's that other fucking movie here? Let me find this. What we're talking about is you know American Honey. And what we're talking about is um, what he did in the music video for Sia. Like, if I'm going off of him just as an actor, Shia LaBeouf. He can play a comedic character. He can definitely play like a deep, raw, like drug use, pain, depressed, fucked up type character. Um, he can definitely, he can definitely, he can, he could definitely play a lover, like in a romantic comedy, and be a clean cut motherfucker. He can definitely, he can, he he can definitely play a badass. Like, like imagine Shia LaBeouf in a more rough. This is interesting. Fuck with me on this, guys. Imagine Shia LaBeouf, but imagine sw- sw- uh, uh, switching out Shia LaBeouf and Paul Walker. Oh, no. What the fuck? His name was Paul Walker. Um, Who the fuck played next to Denzel Washington in Training Day? Um, I'm going to Google that because I got to get this right. What the fuck was his name? Um, Training Day. Who the fuck was this guy? 2001. Ethan Hawke. Imagine, imagine taking Ethan Hawke out and having Shia LaBeouf there. And obviously, at that time, Shia LaBeouf was way too young, but that that would be interesting, right? So he, he's a super versatile, super flexible, super amazing actor. That's just super objective. Him, I think he needs to get more credit from the mass market. I think, I think, like, what's his net worth here? I think he needs to get paid more with his films. Like, that's another thought. Um, and I think people don't realize, like, guys, he's been in, dude, he's been in just a, as being a working human being. He's been working since 1984. It is now 2022. Um, He's been in over 25 movies. Uh, nine TV shows. Like, like, like Shia LaBeouf is, is amazing. So, um. I think his directing ability, I think his acting ability, I think what he thinks about as an actor and how he approaches the roles and the characters are super interesting. I fuck with Shia. I really do. I really, really, really do. Um, His personality and his authenticity. I think what a lot of people don't know is Shia LaBeouf, and I don't know where he got this from. He has like this like East L.A., you know, Chino, like, like, I don't want to be disrespectful. Anymore. Like he has this rawness, this grit, like East LA, like not like I've been an actor my whole life vibe to him. Like he has this, this rawness to him, you know, like, first of all, that fucking, <laughs> that video of him smoking weed. Oh my gosh. That is hilarious where he's sitting there dancing his ass off because he's high as a kite. Off of weed though, like not anything crazy, just vibing. Um, 
he he has a personality and a rawness and an authenticity to him that he never let the industry fuck him up. And but he's still so big. Like he's it's hard to explain, but he does have a rawness that I think a lot of people are attracted to. I think a lot of people fuck with. And he does have an ability to um again just get into certain characters and certain pockets that are hard for most that don't have that raw ability. Cause I I've always told my fiance this when we like talk about movies and films. I think most actors that when you see them like perform at the highest levels, um, I think it's because the character in the movie, like the, the role, um, I believe that character, like the story the, that the director and the writers created and came up with, I believe that they're a little bit like, like the actor. So I'll give you some examples, not being from the street, not cursing and talking and wearing the way he dressed, but the character that Denzel Washington played um, in Training Day, that brashness, that boldness, that confidence, that 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 wittiness, that that reaction time, Denzel has that naturally inside of his body. Like that is naturally his core state. Um, I think, you know, I think um, Vin Diesel's character with 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 Fast and the Furious. I think um, Denzel's character again with American Gangster. That that stillness, that calmness, that patience, that that clarity, that honesty. I think Leo's character in, um, you know, I think I think Leo at the time his character when he was in Titanic, I think was a young kid. I think he had that energy. He had that charisma. He had that spark. I think um, who else do I think? I think so many characters. Like I think Will Smith when he did um, Seven Pounds. Um, I think Will Smith when he did. I think Will Smith's charisma when he was in Hitch. Um, like what I'm trying to fucking say is anyone that's great at acting and has like just amazing roles, the roles are designed a bit around who those folks naturally are. And I think that goes, I think people don't talk about that enough. And I think Shia LaBeouf and his agents and his managers and whoever the fuck he's working with, I think they've done a really great job picking out his roles and putting, putting him in the best positions to dominate. So Shia, shout out to you. Let's get to the next topic. Your true soulmate will be mentally, emotionally, sexually, and spiritually vulnerable and intimate with you. Let me read that again. Your true soulmate will be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, emotionally, sexually, spiritually vulnerable and intimate with you. Um, and, and, and I think what I would add on to this is they would understand you in those areas as well. Um, would your true soulmate understand you and, 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 and respect you for those variables in those variables? I think let's start mentally. So my answer quickly is yes. And, and let me explain how I think it plays out. I think a real soulmate, something to identify, something, something to look out for. I think the potential of having and being someone that's a real soulmate looks like the following. Um, I think mentally, um, I think mentally, and I talked to my friend about this today, I think people change. 
And I think a real soulmate knows that, is okay with that, and loves you so much for you going through the process of being and finding you that um, that it's 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 in a way where they're more happy for you changing from who you were at 19 to 22 to 29 to now 47. They're okay with those ebb and flows because they know that the ebbs and flows are a part of life. And they assume and already know and are aware that from a mentality perspective and from a mental perspective, you're going to change. You're going to have ups and downs and you're going to, you're not going to be the same person at 19 that you were at 29, that you were at 42, that you are at 63. Like it's going to be so different. And I think a true soulmate appreciates that and is okay with those ebbs and flows and those differences. Um, I think emotionally a true soulmate holds you accountable. I think a good soulmate doesn't allow for their partner to have or to have or lack accountability. And accountability is a, is a part of your emotional state. I think great relationships, phenomenal relationships, the relationships that last 50 years, I think are honest with each other and, and have heavy amounts of accountability as it pertains to emotions. Um, I think sexually, I mean, we all know how I feel about this. I think a good life and soul partner hears their partner out, separates if they if their partner wants to separate, bends enough to understand what it means to have a base, what it means to just want to nut, right? I hate to get that graphic, but just sometimes you just want to come. <laughs> what it means to have fun, what it means to be in love. I think, I think a good soulmate goes again through those ups and downs of what the body wants. Um, and then I think spiritually, I think the value set of that person, a great soulmate has the ability to help that person find new values that mean the world to them. Um, and then I think a great soulmate does a really amazing job of facilitating vulnerability, facilitating intimacy, and um, and creating a narrative and creating a narrative that really allows for everyone involved in the relationship to to be okay with who they actually are. And so to get more intimate, to get more vulnerable and to be okay with those vulnerabilities and, and frankly, to know how to navigate those vulnerabilities. It's, it's been one of the biggest things in my relationship currently where I'm trying to work on understanding how to navigate the vulnerability, how to navigate the intimacy and how to, how to confidently react and be, um, it's tough, but it's something that, I think every great soulmate has the desire, the chutzpah, the energy to go through. Should rap legends get a monthly check after they have completed their peak? How would that operationally work? Ooh, this is a good one. <clears throat> I'm going to sink my teeth into this and get another sip of this perfect water. Ah, that was good. Um, Oh, this is a good topic here. This is a fucking great topic. I can't I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Joe Budden or or 
a podcast on Complex. Or, I don't know who it was. DJ Academics. I don't know. Uh, fucking, you know, uh, Dame Dash. I don't know who said it, right? But someone said that they feel like some of the rap legends. They, all right. So here's what I... Let me just get right to the operational variable of it. Because this is what someone said. Someone said that the rap legends, the, the rap gods, once they're done reaching their peak and they start to have that decline, that maybe they should get... Um, maybe they should get monthly stipends and checks as a thank you, right? Kind of like what they have in the NFL and major sports and like a pension or like a uh, retirement account, right? Um, number one, that should just happen, right? So I don't, I'm not even going to give a fucking argument around why that should happen. That's just like, like let's just, just shut the fuck up. Like it should happen. It's objective, right? But moving past that, Knowing something should happen and figuring out operationally how it would actually work is completely different. So let's go back to the the why. I think the why is the following. If you go to all the way back to people like KRS-One or you look at people like Jadakiss or Jay-Z or um, rap gods like in the business world like Dame Dash or Mace or P. Diddy or... Um, I mean, you can even go down south, like people like Little Flip or fucking Currency and Wiz Khalifa or, or you know, uh, who else? You know, who's some legends like Buster Ron? You know, if you go down the list of legends from 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 old to to new to to all in between, I believe each one of them brought something to the entertainment world that needs to be fucking respected and needs to be celebrated. So that's the why. And I think the amount of joy and escapism and love and, and, and amazing moments these artists bring and the dollars that these artists produce is something that really needs to be fucking accounted for. And people need to really wake up and understand what it means to, um, to do these type of numbers and to have this type of impact and, and how amazing we all can, how amazing we all can admit it felt as they produced and made these songs and gave us those moments. Um, so that's the why. I think the tangible how is the following. I believe that some of the biggest music labels in the world, right? I think the Virgin Records and the Atlantics and the uh, Sonys and um, who else? The fucking Warner Brothers and um, the Universals. I believe they should get together. And I believe, um, let me see what the pot would really need to be. like. Realistically, the pot could probably be, let's do 50 million a year. They come together and they put up 50 million a year. And then I think 50 million, and let's just say there's, let's just say there's in any given year, there's 150 rappers that make it, you know, that's $333,000 a year that you can give to those rappers. Let's let's even take it down. Let's say you have enough rappers and you have enough of the fund where every single year you can provide, and obviously in a monthly proportion, but you can provide a rap legend $200,000 a year. What that would give, what that would give to a rap legend is the following. They would be able to, in most cities and states, live in a pretty decent house pay their mortgage, have a regular nice little car like a C-Class Mercedes or a little 5 Series BMW or something pretty nice, 
not work a regular job and spend a lot of her time being creative and doing 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 appearances and doing Instagram ads and, and TikTok, you know, they will be able to, they will, from, from the pension and the fact that their time is now freed up because they don't need to work a regular job, they will be able to probably pull in half a million dollars and 250 of that being accounted for through the pension. And I think there are too many cases of, look, you're taking these young guys from the hood and you're not even educating them on how to spend their money. So when they're making all their money, and then they get to the point where they're because that's what I put into the topic. The progression starts to go down. So the argument that the argument that could be made is, let's use like who's a good example, Jadakiss for example. Now I know Jadakiss is still getting to the bag, but let me explain what I mean. There was a peak probably that ended in 2000. Let's call it 10 for Jadakiss. Let's say that was the last time he ever had a peak. He started going down, 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 down. And at that point, should there be a scaling system, a process of analyzing these fucking rappers where you say, once we deem you're on your decline, we're going to start to kick in and supplement you to get to it. So if, we, if we're if we saying that because you were Jada Kiss, you should always make a quarter of a million dollars and based off of your streams and appearances and shows, you're only able to get 200 and so that other 50 is still missing, we will make up for the rest of that. I think that's a really great formula. And I really think every single rap and rapper and goat and legend in the rap game deserves that. I think they deserve that. I think there's a strong argument that could be made. I think that that the, the music labels could get the money together. I think this is something that should fucking happen. I really do. I think there's too many rap gods, too many legends, too many goats, too many people that are just objectively great that are not given these opportunities. Um, and when I say opportunities that are not given support and help once they, they fuck up and they don't have their, have their decline, um, or have their incline anymore, have their peak that has their starting to go in their, their decline. Um, and, and let me say why also let's not act like music labels. We don't own. And when I say we, I'm acting like I'm a part of a label here. Let's not act that you don't own their ass, their whole ass, right? Not even one cheek, their entire ass, bro. Let's not act like you're putting them in these deals that are completely fucked. Let's not act like you're not doing that. So I think the least you could do is you could take some of the revenue that you're making each year. You can put it into a separate account and disperse that money every single year and have that on, have that on your, your P&L. Have that on something that you know you're going to do. Shit, I don't give a fuck. Raise the money from the outside and get a, make a fucking way of giving them that money. And I, and I hate to drop the F-bomb so much because I'm so pissed off and I'm so irritated about it because it's common sense. It's common sense. We should be able to support. Oh, you know who it was? It was Nori that talked about this. It was Nori. Let's support these rappers. Let's support these singers. Let's support these artists that have supported us and have supported our families and supported our kids' entertainment and joy and laugh and tears and, and emotion for so long. They deserve it. They deserve it. Um, you know, when I think about vulnerability, there is something that I noticed recently that is, that is possible. And I didn't think it was possible for a long time. The topic that I have right in front of me says, what if vulnerability causes more pain than happiness? What if vulnerability causes more pain than happiness? 
That is a really, really, really interesting question. What if vulnerability causes more pain than happiness? Because a lot of people say that being vulnerable actually causes and and can get you to a place of happiness because you are stripping away all embarrassment, all pain, all hate, all ego and saying, hey, this is me in my rawest form. Love me, want me, appreciate me for who I am. Um, what if doing the process of being vulnerable, you actually cause, not cause, you actually feel more pain or cause more pain maybe than the inevitable outcome, which is trying to get to the happiness. That is a really good fucking question. Cause what do you do in those situations? What do you do in that moment? What do you do in those fucking moments where your vulnerability is causing so much pain of someone else? That it literally takes from your, and maybe maybe that's the RME because it shouldn't, right? Take from you, right? We talk about that. Like nothing, nothing emotionally should be able to take from you. You should be whole with yourself. And so maybe that's the answer. Yeah, maybe that's the answer. Maybe the answer is honestly, vulnerability can't cause more pain than happiness because at some point, whether it's ten years down the road or seven, ten days down the road. The vulnerability will lead will lead to optimal happiness and long-term happiness and peace. So maybe this entire question is completely bullshit and whoever put this topic on here should be banned. <laughs> I'm just joking. But honestly, though, like what if vulnerability causes more pain than happiness? I think I think in the short term, I think in the short term, that's a that's a really valid statement. But I think if we're all being honest and if we all just sit back and really think about it long term, that is no. That, that that answer is no, that is not true. That won't happen. And I think, I think sharing this message and saying this, I'm hoping will get people to be more vulnerable and more honest and more transparent and strip away more of their ego and show people that they love more of themselves because at some point you will get on the other side and find that happiness. So those are my top, those are my thoughts on that topic. Like that topic, honestly, for me is pretty straightforward and but I think it's probably the most important part of this episode. So let's get to the next one. First things that come to mind when I hear Walt, Ari, and Nancy. I'm going to start with Nancy. <clears throat> oh, man. I got to be honest, and I'm such an asshole. I'm sorry, guys. The first thing that comes to Nancy when I think about Nancy is an egotistical whore. I'm sorry, and I know that sounds fucked up, and I really, really don't mean it, but that's the first thing I think about. Nancy, if you're listening, the the, the made-up character of who you are, I need you to listen close. I get that Jonah died. I get that so much shit happened in such a short period of time. I get that Silas was so hard to deal with at times. I get that you were scared. I get that your sons were 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 interesting. I get that you know Andy was a pain in the ass, but so fucking helpful. I get that you were dealing with a lot, but what the fuck? Why didn't you just go get a job? Why did you? What were you thinking? What was crossing your mind that you thought it would be okay to put your family into a drug business? Your ego got in your way. Your fucking need to be fucked got in your way. 
and you put yourself in the harm's way of Mexicans and not that I hate Mexicans, but like the Mexican cartel is not a cool Mexican. Okay. Let's just call it what it is objectively. <laughs> um, you put yourself in harm's way. You, 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 you didn't give a shit about the, the repercussions. You wondered, you, you tried to validate your actions by saying you were saving your family. You were saving yourself. There was probably a younger version of you, Nancy, that people didn't even know. This, 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 this whore, this, this egotistical bitch, this, 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 this adrenaline junkie. And, and I totally agreed with Andy's approach to you later in the season, late, later in the season. I totally agreed with how Silas was with you. And, and, but even as I say all of that, the last thing that actually, I honestly think about is what a fucking spectacular mother you were. <laughs> and that's completely opposite of everything I just said. Because life is a contradiction. So I respected you and I and I and I and I and I fucked with you. And I think you're a fucking goddamn good mother and, and such a interesting mother. But if I'm being honest, the first thing that came to mind was that little rant that I gave. And but as you got to the end of the season. In the end of the show, you you realize that life was precious, and the relationships that really mattered, and the lessons that really mattered, you learned from them. You did. So those are my thoughts when I hear your name. Um, Ari Ari Gold, first thing that comes to mind, softer than you think, softer than you think. Um, I love the way that they created the Ari character. I really do. Um, yeah, it's a character that actually, I think Ari Gold till this day could, like, I think Ari Gold is my mentor. <laughs> I think Ari Gold is my Tony Robbins. I think Ari Gold is my Brian Tracy. I think I want to be Ari Gold. I think right now my name is no longer Isaac Jones. It's it's Ari Gold, right? I think, um, I think he was just a dope character. I think he's a top 15, top 20 character uh, of TV history. That's how good he is. Um, I think, uh, you know, side side note, I think once every like three years or five years, they should have like an Academy Award for like just all movies that came out in the last like, I think every five years, they should go back to like five years ago and say TVs, movies in the last five years, like who is like the best? So like, it should not be just an Academy Award for, for new shit, but it'd be like, who is like objectively, you know, who, what movie, what film, what actor just crushed it over the last five years? If that was around at that point, Ari Gold would have won. Um, last thing, Walt. First thing that comes to mind when I hear Walt. Um, wow, Walt, man. Uh, you know, Walt and Nancy at their core, the same human being. I think the so the first thing that comes to mind when I hear Walt is uh from Breaking Bad is whew, that's a good one. First thing that comes to mind when I hear Walt. Um subconsciously depressed autopilot. Uh, never satisfied. Um, super fucked up 
inside without an ability to have high levels of accountability to raise his hand and say, yeah, I'm fucked up mentally, spiritually. Um, impulsive. Impul- oh my God. Egotistical. One of the most egotistical characters that I've ever seen in TV and television history. Super, super egotistical. So um, those are the thoughts that I hear personally when I hear of, uh, of Walt. And um, I think I would have loved to see Walt come back in that movie that they made. But again, I think Walt is a top 15, top 20 character of all time. So um, guys, this is about it. This has been a phenomenal episode. I'm going to wrap up here shortly. Uh, I thank you all for listening. I really, really do. And um, I think I'm going to try to find some Mac Miller in this shit, man. I was going back to the shrooms and the NPR shit. My friend said today, and I agree, he's like, I just never saw Mac in that light. And I never knew how talented he was. I never knew how raw he was. And so I might put some raw and some some old Mac Miller on here today and, and get you guys vibing and do a little shout out to him. So as always, I don't have one today, but I want you to think about it. Um, think about what's mad, what matters most to you. Is it, is it, is it, is it a project, you know, really trying to accomplish something in life? Um, is it legacy? Is it lifestyle or is it values? Um, I think you don't have to choose one, but it's helpful to really know what you're trying to go after and what you're trying to do. And, um, I hope this podcast helps you guys out. So as always, my name is Isaac Jones and I appreciate you guys listening. Thanks a lot. Let me sound I I don't want no um no Mixtape shit for free, either way I go 100%, all game, 48 minutes, no 
been sitting at all, man. Y'all may have thought stoners would fall low. Schedule, but we ahead of you. Do these medical power laws preserve yours? Open urban applause. I'm quoting in the time I ain't on here pages. I wrote it for your speakers to smoke it. Not paying all them lenses and focus on the dopest in the Michelin. That's Marine. Don't see how far back I done throwed it. And they haul suckers know that from spitter they style stolen. I ain't mad though. I'm glad though. Thought I'd feel a little bit different being a dad, yo. Yeah, bro. We smoked out the beer till wars. I wrapped up my jet life tour. That's why them bitches roll that weed for us. She's out of brain. I'm on the road to the Millies. I started on Penny Lane. Out of bandwagon is packed. You might can hop on the train. At the top, so not her top off. I never pay hoes. I only pay cops off. And tell these niggas they gotta take that disguise off. I'm from Detroit. We eat your little hoes alive with hot sauce. Fucking bitch. I might come a little tardy though. Fatty roll, Chris Farley smoke. Whoa. You niggas rolling up barley, bro. No. I'm all green as the safaris go. go. You bitches already know. Niggas tryna tell us we like hold up, roll up And them bitches ain't coming if they ain't Party burning up that we smoke, we smoke Smell us everywhere that we go, we go When niggas tryna tell us we like hold up, roll up